And uh, it's the day we, that we celebrate the Holy Spirit coming to the church. Uh, you know, some churches recognize it as a uh, part of the church calendar, and, but don't really put much emphasis on it. I grew up in a church like that. I grew up and, and we'd recognize Pentecost, and we had a different color thing on the altar uh, for Pentecost, but we never really talked about Pentecost and what it meant uh, to do that. But Kathy grew up in a church where Pentecost was, was very real. I remember her telling somebody uh, one time they were talking about how they didn't like church, and she said, are you kidding? Church was fun. It was the highlight of my week. Uh, my dad uh, brought us here uh, when I was six years old, uh, and his dad and parents came up in Pentecost, and so it was passed on from generation to generation. So my grandfather went off to Bible college, and uh, he joined a new denomination that uh, was being established because uh, there was a revival that broke out in California, and it was on a street called Azusa Street, and it was called the Azusa Street Revival. And this is when people began to be filled with the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. And um, so a lot of people didn't understand what was going on. And this had been happening for centuries. But in the America, this is where uh, the, the, what we would call the, the, the end-time revival started. And so what was really unique about this revival was it crossed racial barriers. And uh, there was, it was an interracial church. Women were in the leadership as well as men, as well as it was, had an African-American uh, pastor. And uh, so it broke down a lot of uh, barriers and that had been built up through religion. How many of you know there's a difference in religion and, and what the Word of God talks about as far as the church? That's right. And so um, I was very blessed to grow up in a, in a full uh, a, a church filled with the Spirit of God. And we saw people healed at the altars. We saw people delivered from demonic spirits. That, this was everyday stuff for us, you know. Uh, I was talking on the phone till late at night this, uh, last night with a, a friend of mine who's just experiencing this. And he's in his 70s, early 70s, and he is so excited and fascinated he just got filled with the holy spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues he's like i have such peace i have such joy and then then you know anyway as he said i could go on but anyway i grew up in a church and i remember and because i didn't get to say in this in the last service but this our church one time was so shaken by the power of god we had a large this was at west we go assembly of god and there was a large chandelier and the building began to shake. The chandelier began to swing back and forth. And my mother, who is very curious, she ran out the back door to see if a train was going by because she was convinced. <laughs> she, she wanted to make sure this was the power of Kinda God. Kind of like those two guys went outside yeah, to see if there was an ice cream outside. truck. Yeah. And so, uh, and, you know, I'm just saying, as a kid, I thought this was just normal stuff. You know, when you grow up with it. And now, as I grow up, I'm like, you know, a lot of other churches don't have what we had. I remember my dad praying for a woman who had a back brace. This woman had had surgery after surgery. She was in misery. And I remember she came up to dad in the, in the uh, choir loft. Uh, this was while this, the prayer service was going on. And she said, I can't take this pain anymore. And my dad laid hands on her. And that woman was 
healed instantly. Never wore that back brace again. So this is the power of the Holy Spirit God wants to pour out on us today. That's awesome. And, and so we don't talk about this enough, uh, you know, but we're Pentecostal, which means it's not like Pentecostal. Oh, well, you want to explain the difference of that? Well, there are denominations. You did so that, good. You yeah, know, yeah. Like, there are denominations that have the term Pentecost in it. And like United Pentecost, that's not what we're talking about. That is a denomination. Fun, no makeup, dress. You don't cut your hair. And yeah. And, uh, and in that denomination, they uh, do not believe. Because I had, uh, I had a, my mom's cousin, our nephew, was uh, actually United Pentecostal preacher. And uh, they did not believe in the Trinity. They believe in Jesus only. So we believe in the Trinity, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And, and that, is, uh, that is a distinct difference. And in that denomination, there was a lot of legalism, a lot of outward appearance, emphasis, and not so much of the spirit, the inward spirit. We're, we're talking about a change of life and a change of the heart. And so uh, we believe in, uh, my dad was very involved in the charismatic movement in the early 70s, the Catholic charismatic movement where Catholics were being filled with the Holy Spirit Amazing with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. And, I mean, it was just sweeping through the Catholic Church, but there was very little leadership. So their leadership asked my dad if he would come and help and assist in this, in this uh, just revival that was taking place in the Catholic Church. And so uh, we were a part of that, and I want you to know Every Sunday, our altars were filled with people. Every time my dad gave an opportunity for somebody to receive Christ, it was just normal to have 30 or 40 people coming up and lining up the front to receive Christ because God was moving. And we want to see that end time moving right. right now. And we want to see it in River Church. And so, um, so when we say we're Pentecostal, we're just seeking the power of the Holy Spirit. In the fullness of the Holy Spirit. And we want to see miracles. And denominations. They, they have the yeah. full gospel Baptists. They have Methodists that believe in the, uh, the, the evidence. The, in I was raised Methodist, Spirit. and the early Methodists were really fiery in, in their worship and camp meetings with people laying all over shouting the place. Methodists. Shouting Methodists. My, my grandmother was one of the shouting Methodists before. Yeah, they kind uh, of become whimpering Methodists. <laughs> 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 we're going to talk about three baptisms. Let me just say this. When we're talking about baptism in the Holy Spirit, there's three baptisms. The first is the Holy Spirit baptizes us into the church. And, uh, and, and so uh, Paul said in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, he said, We have all been baptized into one body by one spirit, and we all share the same spirit. So the Holy Spirit baptizes us into Christ. And then, you know, we do water baptisms. We did a baptism last week. And if you've uh, professed Christ and have never been water baptized, we'd love to uh, baptize you, you just let us know, and we can fill that tank up back there and, and, uh, and baptize you. And, and that's, that's an outward demonstration. That's an outward demonstration. Jesus said, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's what we do as, as pastors. That's what the disciples did. And then Jesus baptizes us in the Holy Spirit. And, uh, and so there's a lot of scriptures for that, and we're going to teach on this one day, but uh, John answered their question saying, I baptize you with water, but someone is coming who's greater than I am, so much greater, I'm not even worthy to be a slave and untie the straps of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And so that's the baptism that happened at Pentecost, and that's kind of what we're talking about. So you see the question, why Pentecost? Well, one, you've heard Pastor Kathy talk about how much fun church was. 
Let me tell you, the Christian life is fun when you have the Pentecostal power in your life. Pentecost launched the church. Before Pentecost, all the disciples, they were hiding, they were cowering. Peter even denied knowing Jesus to a teenager, you know. And, uh, and so Pentecost gave the church power. It was really the birth of the church. Now, Jesus, you know, he was raised from the dead three days after he was murdered. And then uh, he spent the next 40 days popping up. You know, he'd, he'd, uh, people would see him eating somewhere. And he'd be walking along the disciples, talking to them. And can you imagine you're one of the soldiers that stuck a spear in him? And, and you, now you're sitting him eating a fish taco over here by, with, on pita bread and, uh, you know, and, and stuff. And you go, what? I know I killed this guy, you know. And so people are seeing him for 40 days. At one point, over 500 people saw him at one time. So this, you know, the crucifixion of Jesus was not a small thing. There was his resurrection because it wasn't like he raised from the dead and took off. He hung around for 40 days. And, uh, and so then... It says in Acts 1, 3, it said, during the 40 days, he suffered and died. After he suffered and died, he appeared. So that's what I was talking about. And in verse 4, it said this, once when he was eating with them, he told them, don't leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift that he promised, as I told you before. So what he's, uh, he's getting ready to ascend, and he tells the disciples, stay here. Stay here and wait. I'm sending you a gift. And so these 120 followers went and got in this room. Now, and, and at the, at the uh, ascension, over 500 people were there to watch him ascend, and only 120 people listened to him. Kind of makes me feel better because most people don't listen to what I say anyway either. So, and I'm in company with Jesus. He had fewer people listen to him and do what he told than ones that didn't. But, um, so 120 people started a prayer meeting. And so write this down. The day of Pentecost was not an afterthought. It was part of the plan all the time. The day of Pentecost wasn't just something that was an afterthought. It was as much a part of the plan as the crucifixion and the resurrection were. And so we need to understand that on that day, everything that Jesus paid a price for was made available to you and I. Everything that God has to offer was made possible for us. Now in the Old Testament, you can write this down, the Holy Spirit was poured on people. It was poured on people for a specific task. Like uh, I, I did a search this morning. Just, I wonder how many times that phrase is in there. And it, I found like 20 or something of them. And, and, and some were names I can't pronounce. But like there was a time when it said the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God is what it would say, came upon Samson and he killed the bear. Came upon Samson and he killed the Philistines. Uh, you know, came upon David and he killed Goliath. Or came upon David... Spirit came upon David and he played his harp for Saul. And, and so the Spirit would come and go in the Old Testament. But in the New Testament, the Holy Spirit was poured out into people. This is the first time the Spirit came in us to stay. And, uh, and so he came in and made up residence in our lives. And, and, uh, and so John 14, 17, uh, Jesus is saying he's the Holy Spirit. That's the comforter that he's sending who leads into all truth. The world can't receive him because it isn't looking for him. We don't want to be that person that's not looking for him or doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now and will be what? In you. You see, that's the awesomeness. So the New Testament, the Holy Spirit came and he came to stay. And, and let me just point out before we proceed, write this down, the infilling 
of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost, and that's what we're talking about today, is different from the indwelling of the Holy Spirit that we receive when we're saved. See, when you receive Christ, Jesus is at the right hand of the Father. The Holy Spirit comes in and indwells your spirit and lives in you, and that's the indwelling. The infilling is when we're baptized in the Spirit and we're filled with the Holy Spirit. And uh, so in John 20, 22, Jesus, the day he was resurrected, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Now receive the Holy Spirit. Then 40 days later, he's about to ascend. He said, now wait 10 days, wait a while. Stay here until the gift, the filling of the Holy Spirit comes. And, it, and, it, and they did. And, and it made a difference. I mean, the Holy, when the Holy Spirit came, it made a huge difference. Matter of fact, Paul said this, I relied only on the power of the Holy Spirit. He didn't use all these gimmicks and everything to try and get people to hear him. He just relied on the power of the Holy Spirit. And, uh, and, and he said, I did this so you would not trust in human wisdom, but in the power of God. Let me tell you, without the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives, the message of the gospel rests on my brain or your brain, and that's not a good place to be. We need the wisdom and the power of God as we share the gospel. So write this down. Power is something that is and should be normal. It's like what Pastor Kathy was talking about. She grew up seeing those kinds of things happening. And so the, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, it had a purpose in the first century church, and it has a purpose today in 2021. So we're going to look at three things about, about Pentecost. We're going to look at, write these down. Number one, the outpouring. We're going to look at that. We're going to go in detail about that. The, the explanation, which is Peter's explanation. We're going to read you Peter's sermon from Acts. Why? Because 3,000 people gave their lives to Jesus after that. But uh, we're going to look at his explanation, and then we're going to look at the result. So now, you may be like me, and maybe you weren't raised in a church, or maybe you might not raise in a church at all, but you weren't raised in a church where they taught about the Holy Spirit or about Pentecost. And, uh, you know, a lot of people I know think, well, it's just historical. I've been in churches that say, well, it happened once, it can't happen again. And uh, so let me ask you, how many of you know that salvation is historical, right? You got saved. That was a point in history. I got saved on a Thursday night in 1973. But how many of you know salvation, does it still occur? Well, guess what? Pentecost still occurs. Not that one historical event, but the power of Pentecost is still going on. So let's look at the outpouring. Pastor Kathy. Yeah, and just one thing, uh, I was listening to a, a, a great book, and I would recommend it to everybody. It's called The God I Never Knew by Robert Morris. And he compared, he said the Holy Spirit in some churches, it's like the crazy uncle that you hope doesn't show up, you know, to your family reunions. Everybody's got one. A lot of people are afraid the Holy Spirit's going to show up. Oh, no, you know, we're going to look strange. But this is the thing, you know, that's, that's because sometimes there's pride involved. And if Mary and the disciples... If, that, if they spoke in other tongues, it's nothing we should be embarrassed or ashamed of. But the Matthew 3, 11, John said, I baptize with water those who repent of their sins and turn to God. But someone is coming soon who is greater than I am, so much greater than I'm not worthy even to be his slave and carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. See, he's, he's talking about Jesus is going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire, and, uh, and it's, it's, a, it's, it's an awesome thing that he's talking about. 
Luke 24, 49, Jesus is saying, and now I will send the Holy Spirit just as my father promised, but stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. So these disciples had been saved. They had accepted Christ as their Messiah, but there was a second experience to come. Matthew 1, 3, Acts 1, 3 through 8. During the 40 days after he suffered and died, he appeared to the apostles from time to time, and he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive. And he talked to them about the kingdom of God. Once when he was eating with them, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised, as I told you before. John baptized with water, but in just a few days, I will be bapti- you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? And he replied, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times. They are not for you to know. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, through, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So he's sending them on a mission, and he says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Why did he, why did he say that? Because you can write this down. Jesus knew they needed power. He knew that his disciples needed power. And, and let me tell you, if, if they needed the power... We need to, I know I need the power of the Holy Spirit. And so I will tell you, without the Pentecostal experience that we're talking about today, we're going to live a life that's lacking in power. And Jesus wants us to have everything that he offers, and, and he wants us to have that power. It's kind of like, uh, you know, living without the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. It's like hitting a home run in baseball and stopping at third base. And so, well, that's far enough. You know, you don't score a run till you pass home plate, right? You know, it's like Jesus has this for us. So we want to, we want to, I, listen, I want everything that God offers. I need more of God, just like that song we sang, Lord, I need need more of you. I mean, my goodness, uh, what a great song. So Pentecost gives power to preaching. It gives power to your witnessing. It gives power to you being able to overcome temptation and sin in your life. It, it gives power to every aspect of our lives. It gives us wisdom in our businesses, everything. So write this down. Pentecost gives us power to speak boldly, to speak boldly. I mean, look at Peter before Pentecost. He's denying that he knew Jesus to a 13-year-old or somewhere in there. She's young. You know, afterward, he stands up in front of three, you know, thousands of people, and he's preaching. You know, it's amazing. You can. This is Acts 10, 38. And you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Then Jesus went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. For God was with him. I want you to circle that word then on your notes. You see, it says he anointed Jesus with the Spirit and power. Then he went out and did his ministry. You see, Jesus, while he was on earth, he needed the Holy Spirit just like we do. See, Jesus, the doctrine of, of the Christ is Jesus is 100% God and 100% man. He's not 50-50. He's all man. If you cut him, he bled. If, and he's all God. And, uh, but he laid that down and he operated while he was walking around on earth 
as a man dependent upon the Holy Spirit, just like we do. He did that so we would know that we can do that. He was an example for us. And so he had to depend on the same power. He, and he offers us that same power. Let me tell you, if Jesus had to depend on it, my word, I know I need to depend on it, right? Some, y'all, y'all are much kinder. In the first service when I said that, and when I said I need to depend on it, everybody's going, yes, you do, yes, you do. You know, I mean, it was bad. So anyway, this next scripture. Acts 1, verse 12. Then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the Mount of Olives, a distance of a half mile. When they arrived, they went to the upstairs room of the house where they were staying. And here are the names of those that were present. Peter, John, James, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, uh, Simon the Zealot, and Judas, son of James. They were all together and were constantly united in prayer along with Mary, the mother of Jesus, several other women, and the brothers of Jesus. So now the brothers of Jesus are believers. And so the plan was plain. They were going to wait until whatever Jesus was going to send them. They were going to wait on it. And uh, so 120 people got in this room. We've been to that upper room. Is, and if in the room we we saw it wouldn't be too crowded, but it'd be crowded, and uh, it was a big room. But uh, it was an upper room. They were there, and uh, and so they waited. They had to wait ten days. Now Jesus told them to go wait. We look at it and go, well, that's a ten day prayer meeting. Can you imagine the power of? I mean, Wayne and the band would Steve's fingers would be raw. I mean, playing worship music for ten days in a row. But they were. They were doing that, and they were praising God and worshiping God, and they were unified, and they were expecting God to do something really good. And, and, uh, but they didn't know how long it was going to last. could have been 10 years. They didn't, they didn't know that. And, uh, and so, uh, but then, uh, you know, the 10th day, it started to happen. Write this down. The baptism of the Holy Spirit changed these 120 people. The baptism in the Holy Spirit changed these 120 people, and it they turned Jerusalem and the, and the world at that time upside down because they had the power of the Holy Spirit. So I'm going to uh, look at this next passage, and here's, here's kind of what happened. In Acts 2, verse 1, On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly, there was a sound from heaven, like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them, and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them the ability. Now, the neat thing is, is the Holy Spirit wasn't just poured out on the disciples, the apostles, the big ones, you know. The Holy Spirit was poured out on everybody. And, uh, and so the Holy Spirit's not just for an elite few. It is for every single person that believes in Jesus Christ. And everyone now, that was obedient. That right, was everybody that was obedient. obedient. Now, can you imagine, the skit was funny, but can you imagine if you were really there? You know, and, and uh, I mean, you know, you got all these believers, you're together, you're praying, you're praising God, you're having a real nice prayer meeting. I remember uh, there's a book called One Divine Moment. It was at uh, a, a Christian college, um, and, uh, and, and they had a chapel, and people started confessing each other sin and asking each other to forgive each other and this this chapel meeting went on for a week they canceled classes at this this school and it's called they wrote a book about it called one divine moment 
here these guys are having this 10-day prayer meeting, and suddenly, I mean, they didn't know what's going to happen. You know, day 10 was probably like the previous nine, and suddenly this, you hear this wind. You know, how many of y'all a few weeks ago, your phone screamed and woke you up? You know, you levitated off your bed, and, and then you found your phone, and it's going, the National Weather Service has issued a tornado warning for your You should take cover immediately. And so I did what those guys did. I went out the front door and looked. Where is it? You know, I'm hearing this roar of wind, but, but my leaves on the trees aren't even wiggling. I mean, it's so quiet down there, but I'm hearing this roar. I think that's kind of what this was probably like, you know. And, and uh, so they, they look, and, and just imagine, turn to your neighbor and look at him and imagine that he's got a flame of fire sitting on top of his head. I mean, imagine, you know, that happened. You're hearing this roar, and you're going, and you go, ooh, baby, you, uh, you, you got, you know. And, uh, and so you've got this going on, and then all of a sudden, people start speaking in other languages. Can you imagine? I mean, the, the, the people outside thought these people are drunk. <laughs> okay, they're drunk. And, uh, you know, and so, uh, but there wasn't any much other explanation to that because, you know, there was great joy there. You know, we have a good time. Aren't you glad we can come to church and have a good time? And uh, they were having a good time. And, and I, because I believe when the Holy Spirit was poured out, there was great joy. And so the next thing we write down is Peter's explanation. Peter's explanation. And Pastor Kathy's going to read this sermon and hopefully we fixed the verse. We did. Right. So you don't have all 20 verses on one slide. Acts chapter 2, verse 14. It says, Then Peter stepped forward with the 11 other apostles and shouted to the crowd, Listen carefully, all of you fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem. Make no mistake about this. These people are not drunk, as some of you are assuming. Nine o'clock in the morning is much too early for that. No, what you are seeing was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. In those days, I will pour out my spirit even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. I will cause wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below. Blood and fire and clouds of smoke. The sun will become dark and the moon will turn to blood before that great and glorious day of the, Lord's, of the Lord arrives. But everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Now, first of all, there's not a real complicated process to get saved. What do you have to do? Call, call on the name of the Lord. Peter is referring back to Joel, the prophet Joel hundreds of years before this happened, prophesied that this was going to happen. And so what Peter's saying is, what you see, this is that. He said, this is happening is that. Let me tell you today, what's happening today is that. And, and that, that, that process has never stopped. The power of the Holy Spirit, I read nowhere in Scripture where the power and move of the Holy Spirit has stopped. And so we're going to keep reading this sermon. So people of Israel listened. God publicly endorsed Jesus the Nazarene by doing wonderful, powerful miracles, wonders, and signs through him, as you well know. But God knew what would happen, and he prearranged plan, his prearranged plan was carried out when Jesus was betrayed. With the help of lawless Gentiles, you nailed him to a cross and killed him. But God released him from the horrors of death and raised him back to life, for death could not keep him in its grip. 
King David said this about him. I see that the Lord is always with me. I will not be shaken, for he is right beside me. No wonder my heart is glad and my tongue shouts his praises. My body rests in hope, for you will not leave my soul among the dead or allow your Holy One to rot in the grave. You have shown me the way of life. You will fill me with the joy of your presence. Dear brothers, think about this. You can be sure that the patriarch David wasn't referring to himself, for he died and was buried, and his tomb is still among us. But he was a prophet, and he knew God had promised with an oath that one of David's descendants would sit on his throne. David was looking into the future and speaking of the Messiah's resurrection. He was saying that God would not leave him among the dead or allow his body to rot in the grave. God raised Jesus from the dead, and we are all witnesses of this. Now he is exalted to the place of highest honor in heaven at God's right hand. And the Father, as he had promised, gave him the Holy Spirit to pour out upon us, just as you see and hear today. For David himself never ascended into heaven, yet he said, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at the right place of honor at my right hand, until I humble your enemies and make them a footstool under your feet. I love where it said there that, that uh, we're all witnesses of this in verse 32. See, Peter's preaching to people that saw the crucifixion, He's preaching. I mean, the crucifixion wasn't something carried out in secret. Thousands of people were in the city. They saw Jesus carry that cross through the city. And you know, we've, we've, we've seen the path that he took through the city. And, and, and so thousands of people were lined up, like a Mardi Gras parade, y'all. And, 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 and except they were yelling mean things. And, and, uh, and so they also, thousands of people saw his resurrection. That was not hidden as well. There was an earthquake that tore up the temple. The, cloud, the, the clouds covered it. It got dark in the middle of the day. It got people's attention. Dead people in the tombs were up and walking around and been given back to their families. And then Jesus popped up for 40 days. So Peter's preaching to people that saw what he's talking about. So let everyone in Israel know for certain that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, to be both Lord and Messiah. And they had been waiting on their Messiah for thousands of years. Peter's words pierced their hearts, and they said to him and to the other apostles, Brothers, what should we do? And Peter replied, Each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That's right. And notice... First, there was salvation, and then you get the Holy Spirit. He's talking, I mean, right here, he, he kind of lines it out. Uh, he, he's talking about you, you're indwelt with the Holy Spirit at salvation, and he's talking about you're baptized with the Holy Spirit. You get, you get uh, two I, things. A friend of mine described it so well. She had, be, she had become a Christian. She was uh, accepted Christ through a campus ministry, but she didn't know anything about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And uh, so when she... Uh, was taught and experienced the baptism of the Holy Spirit, she said the way she described it, the difference, is she said, because Pastor Robert and I love to eat out, and, you know, if it's a dimly lit restaurant, kind of the ambiance is set. And I remember I I was in a restaurant in Baton Rouge, and I had just heard her story. And and I stepped out of that restaurant, into out of this dimly lit restaurant, into the bright sunshine. I mean, it was just like, whoa. I I thought it was dark outside, you know, because it was so dim in there. And she said, receiving the Holy Spirit was like um, before she was in a dark room and, and she sometimes was stumbling over things. 
And what she was saying is there were, there were temptations and, and shortcomings in her life that she kept tripping her up. But, but she said when she received the Holy Spirit, it was like the lights turned on and the things that normally would have tripped her up, she now saw and she could avoid. And so I, I just good. thought that was a great uh, illustration of Absolutely. the difference in salvation and then when you receive the Holy Spirit, the difference it made. So uh, verse 39, this promises to you, to your children, and to those far away. That's what does us. Yeah. <laughs> and it's important to pass on to your children what you have experienced, to the next generation, all who have been called by the Lord our God. Then Peter continued preaching for a long time, strongly urging all his listeners, save yourselves from this crooked generation. Those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day about 3,000 in all. A couple of things there. One, you see, Peter preached a long time, so no more complaining about <laughs> me, all right? And, uh, and so, uh, but look, 3,000 people came to faith in Christ. That's a pretty good day. <laughs> pretty good day for Peter. And, uh, and so, uh, you know, but what happened here was when he preached and those people were saved and people were delivered and healed and and stuff. They said Peter's shadow would heal people. What happened was the Holy Spirit was no longer in that little room. The Holy Spirit had come into the world to stay, and, and the disciples did miracles. We've seen miracles today. I mean, uh, we've mostly on the mission field because we're not op- as open to it here as we have, but we've seen miracles here as well. And, uh, and so, you know, these 120 were filled. They were speaking in other languages, and, and, and they were preaching. To, just imagine you're from from Spain and you're in Jerusalem and man somebody's preaching the gospel in my language what 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 what, what you know and and so that's what was happening and uh and and look they turned the world upside down Pentecost had gone public and it and it just spread like wildfire guess what it did it did it without Facebook y'all the gospel turned the whole world upside down without Facebook some of y'all need to get off of Facebook, but we'll use Facebook to spread the gospel. Write this down. Number three, the result of Pentecost was that the first century church had power to accomplish things for God. That's what the first Pentecost was about. That's the key. When someone's been baptized in the Holy Spirit, they just have more power to witness effectively. You've got power. You've got a boldness you didn't have before. Look what Jesus said in Acts 1.8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and the ends of the earth. I mean, that's powerful. And and here's the thing. The results were the church exploded. The church exploded. And we've got access to that same awesome power as Peter and James and John and Paul did 2,021 years later. We've got the same access to the same Holy Spirit that Peter had, that, J- that James, all those guys did. So write this down. God's plan is to empower people, you and me, to become strong and effective witnesses. He wants to give you the same power he gave Peter and Paul and those guys in the early church. There's a study done by World, Evan- uh, World Evangelism Missionaries study is what it was called, and they, they found that the gospel was being spread more effectively in areas where there were spirit-filled missionaries, missionaries that believed in the power of the Holy Spirit, and, uh, and not that social ministries aren't good. We, we feed kids. We do things, 
but where, where the Holy Spirit was front and center in these missionaries' lives, it was being filled. Let me tell you Billy Graham's story. Um, you know, he, uh, when he started, I, I came out of a ministry of Billy Graham. I mean, I'm, Youth for Christ was started by Billy Graham. And, uh, but, but Billy, when he was preaching, he goes to England, and he's preaching. You know, he would do these crusades that would last 70 days. I mean, you know, just can you, I can't imagine the toll that took on him. And, and so Billy Graham's in England, and, he's, uh, and so he's preaching, and the headlines are, so-so preacher with not-so-good results. He would preach, and nobody was coming forward. And so he goes and spends a day with a local pastor over there, a guy named Stephen Olford. And Stephen Olford was someone who believed in the power of the Holy Spirit. And him and Billy Graham, I mean, I mean just imagine Billy Graham's laying face down on the floor praying all day. He jumps up and he says, I've got it. I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, as far as I know, Billy never told anyone that he prayed in tongues or had a prayer language. He may have, and just we don't know it. I don't know. But what happened was that night, you know, Billy would always give a crusade. You've all, everybody's seen Billy Graham on TV, right? He did say, in just a moment, I'm going to ask you to come forward. Well, that night, he said, in just a moment, and people started running out of the stands. Why? Because the anointing and filling of the Holy Spirit makes us a better witness. It makes us more effective in spreading the gospel. And that's really, that's really the thing. So write this down. The baptism of the Holy Spirit makes a difference. Baptism in the Holy Spirit makes a difference. We have more power to, to witness. We have more power to, to see miracles happen. And, and so I would, I would say, why Pentecost? You heard Pastor Kathy, church is fun because of Pentecost. But, but why should we want the baptism in the Holy Spirit? I'm going to give you three reasons. One, it's a gift from God. I want everything that God wants to give me. Why would I not do this to anything God wants to give me? If, I mean, if, you know, if I were giving you a Mercedes Benz, you'd hold your hand out, wouldn't you? Well, God's given us something better. He's given us the Holy Spirit. The second thing is, if Jesus thought the disciples needed the power of the Holy Spirit in their life after seeing him for three years and after seeing him resurrected from the dead, don't you think we need that, that same power? Absolutely we do. I know I do. And then, uh, and then thirdly, the reason we should all want the baptism in the Holy Spirit so we can spread the gospel with power and be his witnesses. And, and let me tell you, that, those are just three good reasons. I, let me read a scripture to you real quick. Here's another reason. The Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Anybody besides me need a little more self-control? Anybody besides me need a little more patience? Anybody? See, that's what the Holy Spirit does. You see, you don't get self-control by counting to 10. You get self-control by the Holy Spirit's work in your life. And that's, I don't know about y'all, I need more of that. And, and so, you know, too often we're afraid, you know, I mean, I know people, you know, I, I, I was listening to a guy preach the other day and he, said, he was saying when he was, when he was young, he said, you know, he, when he first got saved, he had a preacher something, you stay away from them people that believe in the Holy Ghost now. And, uh, you know, and. And I mean, I'm kind of scared of ghosts myself, but you know, the Holy Spirit is not a ghost. He's, he's the third person of the Trinity. And, uh, and so, uh, you know, Paul, uh, you know, people are afraid of because of the tongues thing. That's what, that's, you know, that's what people are afraid of. And, and let me tell you, there's nothing wrong with speaking in tongues. Uh, 
We have prayer languages. I've never given a message in tongues, but I pray in tongues. I, I could give you names of Baptist pastors I know that pray in tongues. They'd be afraid because the Baptists may go looking for them, you know, and kick them out. I don't know. But, but listen to this. Paul appreciated that. Look what Paul said. He said, I thank God I speak in tongues more than any of you. See, a lot of people think Paul was not pro-tongues. He was. He had a prayer language. And, and, uh, and in 1 Corinthians 14, 4, he said this. A person who speaks in tongues is strengthened personally. Now, I've actually had people say, well, see, tongues edifies yourself. You shouldn't be doing that. Does anybody besides me need to be strengthened? Guys, I'm weak. I need God's strength. And so he says here, anyone who's, who speaks in tongues or prays in tongues is strengthened personally. I'm talking about your personal prayer life. I'm not talking about something you do in public necessarily, but you and God. Sometimes you don't know what to pray, and so you're praying in, in that language. Can I just say Paul quick, understood this. When I pray in tongues, if I'm dealing with, like, anxiety or stress, I find it is a great stress reliever for me. And I think in these last days, more stress, people are more stressed out. We're that's dealing right. with depression, and I, I just think that it's the gift that the Holy Spirit has given us to deal with a lot of those things that we're going to be dealing with as we get closer to the end times. Absolutely. So we're going to... We're going to have a worship song. Uh, Steve and Chrissy are going to come up. And while they're coming, you know, we're celebrating Pentecost Sunday. And, and, and the reason we do it, it reminds us of the reality that when we're baptized in the Holy Spirit, we've got a new power that we didn't have before. And, and so the first century church, Kathy's church growing up, saw that as normal, saw that power as normal. And listen, I want to urge you today, don't be the baseball player that stops on third base. After hitting a home run, come on in and score. I find there's two reasons people don't want don't to have anything to do with the baptism in the Holy Spirit. One is they don't understand it. And we've hopefully given you a little bit more understanding today. And we're going to do a whole series on the Holy Spirit pretty soon. The second is fear. And my question to you is why would you be afraid of anything that the one who loved you so much that he died for you? Why would you be afraid of anything he wants to give you? I mean, you know, I know people are afraid, hey, if I become a Christian, God's going to send me to China as a missionary. Well, we were, had a long conversation with two people.